Hi guys, um, welcome to the latest episode of The Grind by NETM. My name is Ayobami and uh, this is the first episode of a new series called The Quirk. Exactly, um, which 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 significant events in our past did change our our outlook to life and change the way we do respond to to circumstances. So we here we have like um, we have three guests here. They are going to introduce themselves and uh, we just listen to their story. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be really fun and um, it's going to be something you're going to learn a lot about. So yeah. Welcome everyone. Um, so first of all, we have Jessica. Jessica here. Say hi. Hi. Yeah, give us a little something about yourself. My name is Jessica Aliagbo. I'm from Edo States. I own a startup, Flawless Signature, where we provide beauty services for women. Okay. Welcome, Jessica. Uh, two of our other guests are Joe and Osita. So. Yeah, well done, everybody. My name is Joel. Um, my name is Joel Abodering. I'm a renewable energy expert and an enthusiast, um, both together and um, consumed by the passion for Africa. <laughs> cool stuff, cool stuff, cool stuff. No, uh, we look to explore the reason for that consumption. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, cool. We look to um, hear more about that. So, Sita. Oh, yeah. Hi everyone, I'm Osita James Uche and I'm not going to tell you that I'm a lawyer. I think that's boring. <laughs> I think that's boring. So I run a small I run a startup that works on connecting young people to internships, scholarships and jobs. We've been there for the past two, three years now. And I am an opportunity enthusiast and expert. Thank you. So oh, welcome Mr. This is just by the way. Like this has to don't look at the way I'm talking like this. Like let's let's get free. I'm usually not free, so I don't know. Because Mr. is talking and talking really is being reserved here. Yeah, don't worry, let's just come out and um have fun. Like laughs and stuff. Um so yeah. So as we said earlier, we would be exploring um, our guests here will be taking us through their journey and their story, what exactly is unique to them and how exactly events in their past, significant events in their past has transformed the way they do view life. And we look forward to exploring more of that. Um, so first of all, I guess the first question is just going to be how exactly was your childhood like? Um, how was it growing up? So who wants to go first? I was born and raised in Auchi, a small town in Edo State. My parents were educators, my mom taught in a primary school, and my dad was principal in a secondary school. 
I'm the last of six siblings, <laughs> five girls and one boy. <laughs> In my community, they viewed educating a girl child as a waste of money because they felt that girl would not like extend or take on the name of the family. So I and my sister, it was really a struggle for us um, going through school. But I thank God I'm here today. I'm educated. <laughs> and more of the story I'll share as we proceed. It's a mix of sweet and bitter experience, but then, thank God. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, I actually do relate with that. And I was so. the last, so trickling down, you know, like educating the first, second, third, fourth. So before I got to my son, like, it wasn't easy anyway. No problem, no problem. We'll explore more of that. But I just want you to know that, yeah, that's quite relatable. <laughs> Even though I'm not female, but that's fine. So, um, who wants to go next? I'm really itching to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> okay, Joel. Okay, I was thinking it was going to be a sit-down <laughs> Well, um... This is interesting because I, I don't know, I've never really thought about my background, sort of. Well, so if I talk about my background, I might wonder into, I don't know, should I start from um, just like just got started? Is it parental or what do you mean? Or the activities I did while I was a young person? Uh, I'm still young. At what age exactly? That's true. But, but um, whatever would you feel comfortable with? I, I think parents, parental would be. Okay. Um, okay. Since you say parental, I won't go parental. When I when I think about childhood, I think about um, I was more or less a mixture of a playful kid, and so I think secondary school, uh, primary school from primary three downwards, like primary three to now, is a block. I can only remember that I had some um, teachers. Huh? And to kids, she'd be the hell out of me, you know. And <laughs> mass, no, she was not a master child. Yeah, she she taught us English dictation, and I was so bad at at that. I had to change school uh, because my mom was also sort of like a disciplinarian. So my dad. Well, probably, you know. And my, I, I really, I really had a special bond with my dad. So back then when I was young, I on my dad's chest I, I was very close to my dad uh, my dad's a pastor so while he preaches I'm, I'm by his side and um, no usher had this strength to stop me from meeting my dad so so I was very close and so it was very strange when I was transitioning into secondary school and I decided I wasn't going to school in Lagos Somebody just brought an idea of uh, schooling somewhere in the middle belt, about 12 hours journey from Lagos. <laughs> and my dad was expecting that I was going to turn down the offer, but I was intrigued by the offer uh, because I had read Mother's Choice and, you know, Kamarudin's mom, Kam was uh, the, I've forgotten his real name. Anyhow, he wanted to travel out and traveled out. So I, I just had this, um, I don't know where this idea came. I just wanted to jump out. And I, I remember when I when I moved towards the, when I moved to the interview stage, I had to travel down to Benue State. Mm-hmm. And when I crossed the River Ninja, oh, you can't tell me. I was so, <laughs> it was interesting. And uh, so for me, uh, background was, oh, uh, I was very playful. Uh, family was 
sort of supportive. Education was not. I think it, for me, I just saw education as something normal. I didn't attach anything deep to it. So that was it. Cool. That's nice. Really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, that's really um, smooth. Um, but just to mention, I guess the closest I've gotten to River Ninja is on the Nigeria map. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> back there in geography, we draw Nigeria map. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they will not put that why. That's the closest I've gotten to River Ninja. So, um, cool, cool, cool stuff. So, Sita, do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, childhood was very interesting because I have seven siblings, all girls, and I'm the only guy. So it's like <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it quite worked out that way yeah, because I was like very below the ladder in age. So how it tends to happen is that the older ones tend to bully the younger ones. I think that's like the grand scheme of things, right? Exactly. Like oh, oh, I think ladies do. <laughs> I think they do, but it wasn't like it was all of them. And to be fair, at the time, they felt that it was discipline. So I don't really see it that way. But the idea is that when you're like growing up in that type of family, right, you tend to think you're also one of them because I mean, they all get also, it sort of like makes sense that, okay, that we're all the same. But then you're constantly being reminded that no, that you are not one of them like you are <laughs> you are a man and i'm like and i'm like did i choose to be this way why why don't i want to be like everybody else and just like you know so you get situations where um things are being passed down and nothing comes down to you because i mean they're all girls so they pass down to all the other girls so you sort of feel a bit out a bit different on your own so what tends to happen for someone like me what i simply did was that i buried myself in books i started to read fiction started to write from that very young age i started to wonder about ideas um philosophize think about how things can be better and why inequalities are so bad maybe that's why i do what i do because opportunities access is highly politicized Mm -hmm. and then it's also very highly difficult for the people that actually need the opportunities to get it which is an inequality so i'm attracted to inequality Mm -hmm. because i grew up feeling like there was inequality in both my existence as an individual and my circumstance that's that's cool we'll hear more of that um more of those interesting stories you've got both so um just to as a follow-up on what you say um i think there's this stage of the child development process and um it's actually okay so for a lady who grew up and missed guys i think between ages 6 and 13 that is when they start discovering that they're actually different from their brothers <laughs> and um it's it's I watched some videos and it's really, I don't know, like from the description or from the child psychologist, it was, it was, it's like a discovery, like, um, discovery of, I don't know, Niger River or discovery of some, like, that, that's the way it seems to them. They're like, wow. So, yeah. And, um, so while that is normal, I would really love to like hear more story on how that played out in your own, um, scenario because, you know, you are a guy and you're the last born and you've got sisters all no, before you. Oh, you're older than two? Yes, I'm older than two, but then the majority are older than me. Oh, 
how many in total? Five. Oh, that's wow, wow. So I would like to um look forward to hearing the story of how that actually did play out. I guess the next question is um so basically we've been we've been influenced in a significant way by happenings from our past, right? Um, and these happenings defines who we are. They even constitute the essays. I don't know, maybe you guys wrote it for NSP. <laughs> We're coming here. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, um, whenever we have the chance to either talk, to give a talk, or even come on podcasts like this, those are, like, the, 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 the defining stories we would really love to talk about. So, I'll, I right now we just really love you to share um, what exactly were these events? How was it like? So we are just gonna go one, two, three. So everyone is gonna go their whole length. So how was the event like before the impact? How was it like? How was the context? Then what was the situation around the impact? Like how did it work? Is is this something? Um, is this something you had to overcome? Is this something you had to get used to? How did it go through? Like, how was the process? So, yeah. Uh, who wants to go for that? Let's draw. Okay. Draw. Why am I starting first? <laughs> oh, God. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I would say that, for me, the way I see your question, I see your question as probably a book. So, you're saying I should pick a chapter and uh, so <laughs> so the way I, I see it is I see it like uh, so if I'm going to talk about myself and the things that really shaped me into all the turning points for me it might be in different chapters still because I turned um, I turned to different angles, a different direction. I, I started following different paths after certain things happened. So, for example, I became responsible after something happened. I became more um, empathetic after something happened. So, I'll just pick one. Let me pick uh, how I became. Let's see. Let's let's see how I became quite responsible. So after, yeah, I know I was in, in, in secondary school, as I said, even primary school and secondary school, it was more like, so just going to school was normal. So maybe because I was quite um, brilliant, so school wasn't sort of, I just went through school, just, yeah, so it's not something I, it was just a normal disposition, you, you get it. So it was not a deliberate thing. So, but while, I left the secondary school and I was going to start in Ife. Um, I got hold of a book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by uh, Stephen R. Covey. And <laughs> that book, that book was what changed me, you know. And uh, before then, I, w- I was learning uh, some keys on the keyboard and there was somebody that came around to the office of the lecturer I was I was I was talking with. Now this lecturer was not in my school, it was just a friend, if a, sort of like a family friend or yeah, something like that. Uh, so I said I made a statement. I said what will be will be. And he got uptight about it and I was like, no, you can't say what will be will be. You have the power to change what will be. 
and so what will be might not necessarily be and you can choose what will be by what you do to make what will be to be so and yeah because i was sort of an argue because i was and i am still sort of an argumentative person but that day but that day i don't know for some reason i was calm and I did an inner introspection to what you said. So do I have the power to change what's going to be to be what is not supposed to be just because I've decided it to be what I want it to be. And those thoughts, those critical thinking did something very specific to me. It changed me, it changed my perspective. So I started trying out little things to see if this thing was going to go bad can i influence the outcome just by what i do and then that was when i also got steven r covey when he was talking about um your personal leadership how you can lead yourself mm-hmm. how you can influence others mm-hmm. and how yourself is the most important thing to do in changing whatever you want to do mm-hmm. and from that time onward just a positive flow because I had to mentally and so that, that was when days when I had to think into the future mm-hmm. so I not even learned about um, short term goals long term goals per se I was still in the process but already I started taking out some things that I want to call to be mm-hmm. as though I am the creator of these things and so that was when I learned that 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 powerful act of should I want to do something? Should I want to make this thing look like what is not supposed to be? I can make it. So from that time onward, it now became, um, I, 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 I think that's when responsibility started for me. And that's when I started taking things very deliberately. So uh, yeah, so I, it became, from then I, I chose the course I wanted to um, to do in the university. I was, first of all, University of Badon when I got in. My my scores were high, but the, <laughs> the cutter were higher. So I, at a point, somebody came with the idea of you, why don't you change your course? So that, that's almost falling back to what will be, will be, do you understand? And I said, no, 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 no. I want to study mechanical engineering. I'm not going to change to agricultural engineering. I can influence what will be. And so it had to take another extra year because I had to do pretty good in the But mind you, I'm writing it now. So it's not a situation that is writing it for me. And for me, that made all the sense. And sooner or later, I started picking my friends, not necessarily um, not necessarily allowing the environment to influence my circle because I had the power. And for me, that 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 made much sense. And when I got to pretty good, that was the final straw. So I had not my hostel was the greater it was the biggest similarly hostel for boys and so the highest in pretty then just gonna find the highest in Timiladi you get the highest in pretty good you get our our hostel influenced whatever happened on campus the best unfortunately the worst also came but (laughs) but, so there's this there's this particular guy so whenever he wants to go in for a test maybe we, we have to contact for an exam so it tells you that okay out of that 25 uh, i'm going to have maybe we are doing physics like, mm, i'm going to score 24 I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting to give one to the lecturer the result comes out he has 24 or 25 this was a new type of boldness for me i was like are you crazy 
at first, you know, the normal African man says, this, this guy must be proud. Yeah. At the point, so I studied the pride because um, I'm the kind of person who thinks critically about things. So I studied it. Is this really pride? If it's pride, so why is it working? I, I thought they say pride goes before a fall. Why am I between some climbs? But in some climbs, you need to be courageous. You need to be able to say what exactly you want it to be because you are sure it's going to be. So, um... So I, when the second contact came, I told my roommates the things I wanted to be, the scores I wanted to go in before writing the exam. And so before I made these claims, I made sure that I did my own work. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was leaving Ife, uh, by the time I was leaving my pre-degree, I was a mid guy. So by the time I entered the university, somebody mentioned something about graduating first class. And in my mind, I never really thought about it because I I didn't think about it because I wasn't yet in the system. So I didn't. And then somebody asked me for my department. I said, I'm, I'm, my department is mechanical engineering. So yo, man, just forget about it. You can't graduate from first class. I wasn't thinking of graduating from first class. But when he said, I can't graduate from first class, I remembered back that what will be would not necessarily be. I had the power. And as I talked to my class. That makes sense. That makes sense. Define the odds, and um, in a very specific way. Um, cool. So, who wants to go next? Okay, I, I can. I can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think my student would be as interested as Joe's and about scoring first class and things like that. I've never really, I've never really fancied myself an academic. I, I think that. I fancy myself more as an innovator, mm-hmm. an innovator. Although I wish I passed physics, maybe I'll be an inventor. <laughs> right, and and maybe that's part of the challenges, right? Uh, while growing up, my mom is still an English education lecturer, right? And my dad is an agricultural major, and he's like, the head of department in one of the university in our state for agriculture. So they were both academics and stuff like that. So naturally all my sisters were studying. They weren't doing too badly in school. I had to leave. Um, I went to a boarding school. I was the only one in our family that went to a boarding school. Uh, that's for my siblings, amongst my siblings. All the girls were allowed to go to this school. My dad was like, why not go to my own mother? And I was like, hey, it sounds like a good idea. And the reason why I thought it was a good idea was because um, all the governors in our state up until that point had come from that same secondary school. So it was like all these various schools, old schools with old, strong uh, old boys association, that type of thing. So it was meant to be like a political thing. You get to meet some people and know some people eventually in the future. You get to um, refer, um, leverage relationships and stuff. What I didn't know at the time was that um, the school wasn't really the same way it was when he studied because he studied around the 1970s and in the 1970s Nigeria was much better I mean they used to sleep out of school to go and watch Fela perform live in Obara Square and you know they were just enjoying their life really I mean <laughs> shortly after his secondary school and after the yeah shortly after his secondary school he traveled abroad to study agricultural economics so his trajectory was a bit interesting lots of fun and lots of friends and things like that right so I thought that maybe I could write a history that's interesting. But when I got in, 
on the first day I was in the refectory just trying to um, get to know some of the other students that were there because I was new mm-hmm. and suddenly everybody was quiet and I was wondering like why are they quiet mm-hmm. and then somebody hit my head hard with a very short skin it was short and thick so he hit my head mm-hmm. with it and I started having headache and I turned back and saw one of that students I figured it was a senior because he was wearing trousers and I was now wondering like so why did he hit me and they were not like oh there's deputy senior prefect or what and I was still trying to like get a sense of they didn't even say oh stop making noise he just simply came in and maybe because there's a culture of fear everybody just kept quiet and I didn't know the rules <laughs> and that was how it just continued we went to chapel I, I, I didn't understand oh they have to wake up by five they have to go to chapel because it was like all this Catholic Catholic type of schools it's almost like a seminary you have to wake up on time and then go to chapel then after the chapel we start seeing senior students checking for whether people have complete prayer books I was appalled the reason I was appalled was because I had read a lot a lot of African writers I had read Zambia Shall Be Free by Kenneth Kaunda, all these Achebe's books, and then um, even Sipra Nequences Divided We Stand, and a lot of African, because my mom is like an English major, so I read a lot of those books. So I, I had a sense of what justice was and what it was like to be oppressed, because I could feel that Africans were really, really oppressed under the colonization and the white regime. So I, I didn't get why people would come to church to worship God and they'd be checking whether they had complete prayer books. And the type of caning, the type of punishment they were giving people for not having complete prayer books, I started to wonder whether we were really coming to worship God or we were coming to perform a formality. It really, that really um, sort of like affected how I saw churches and it's, I think it still does really because I didn't get I didn't get how someone would come to church church where we're like oh praise God and this share the word of God and then of course the priests probably didn't even know that that was what they were doing it was like a student tradition oh they did it to me when I was a junior and then oh I'm a senior now so let me also do it to the other so that the culture could I didn't get that type of banal behavior and then the seminarians that came in also continued the seminarians that came in now started adopting the student tradition there was a time that i came to chapel i think like five minutes late because like you have to wake up around five o'clock and the chapel starts by i think around 5 20 so you have to really be seated like 5 10 and they're about and they ring the bell very early so i came in like five minutes late right there were two people sleeping in the hostel but i just wanted to come right and then the guy takes a two by two. I think he's an engineering person. <laughs> he would know what a two by two means. And he, he told me to stretch out my arm. And I was wondering why he was asking me to stretch out my arm. And this guy uses this two by two to hit my my fingers, the knuckles, the knuckles my fingers. He hit me, and I think I couldn't bear to take the pain on my left hand. That was actually my mistake because the left hand for me is weaker. The right hand is the one that can absorb the pain. So I gave him my right hand. I couldn't write anything. <laughs> now that I think of it, it sounds really funny, right? Like, ah, that's what I was saying. Ah, the pizza hits me, but I mean, 
I was just wondering why would someone want to go through something like that? And I came back. I came back for the first midterm break after the night before. Let me now tell you something very interesting because I think some of you may not have had such an experience. So maybe the way. Um, so I um, I w- were having night prayer in the hostel after they say all boys and everybody would just come out, sort of like tradition. Then the senior was like, um, I don't know who annoyed him. Many of them had phones, so probably had the issue with his girlfriend or whatever. And suddenly he's like, so why don't you guys have your complete pajamas? And I'm like, it's just a day to going home for the midterm break. So usually the tradition in the school is that once exams are over and all that, because we just finished midterm tests, people tend to do helter skelter. They just don't really follow all the rules like they used to be because everybody's just going they're just thinking of leaving right and typically everybody lets it be why even having any any formal gathering of night prayers prior to the time it was now that period i decided to have it so i was wearing uh, the pajama shirt i was looking for the trouser for like a week i couldn't find it i didn't know where it was i think someone might have swept it away by mistake i don't know then i was a bit rascally keeping my things all over the place and i tried to explain that the guy smacks me, I fall and hit my head on the floor. He kicks me, picks up a king and flogs me until he's tired. And I didn't really sleep because I was turning. There was there were lashes all over my back. And by the time I got home, my mother saw my back and she wept. And she said, Why go back? And I said that there are people smaller than me that are there and they seem to be coping just fine. And after the midterm break was over, I packed my bag and said I'm going back. And I went back and I graduated um, after six years. But what it did to me was that it gave me a sense of what oppression looks like and how I can choose not to continue the tradition when I was eventually given the opportunity to do the same. I did not continue the tradition. And eventually I also learned how to stay stoic in the case in the in the face of really challenging situations and this has helped me in pushing my startup and all the development activities i've been involved in because there's always been challenges but having been through literal hell for someone of my age at the time they sort of like seem smaller because i've been through worse and you're not acting out of your past experiences and now like uh, just as you mentioned, like when you be, uh, were in the senior position back in school, you didn't exactly, you didn't perpetrate what was done to you. And yeah, that's actually really cool. Um, so Jessica, do you want to go? Alright. Uh, so I think mine is a bit personal. Alright, so I think um, that significant moment for me was when my my dad was first retired, was first retired from service, like he had like 10 years to retire and when that happened, like there was no plan on ground, like how do we even like leave for the next year, there was no financial plan on ground. And when that happened, like the next option was to move down to the village. And moving from the city to the village is something that <laughs> you don't want to imagine, especially when you are not prepared. 
<laughs> so we had to move into the family house, you no, know, no, normal village house with bricks and everything. And the next occupation was like farming. My mom had start petty trading and all just to help the family. Then there was one thing everyone was just hoping for. That was my dad's um, gratuity and pension. So because the state governor at that time, it wasn't, let me just say, it wasn't so um, effective in his position. So they kept postponing it, postponing it. And let me just try to say it was like eating from hand to mouth. And we were just praying one day that, oh, maybe this gratuity will come true. And then in my village, then um, water was really a problem. Mm-hmm. It's either you fetch the river or you buy from expensive tanks. So we've had this plan with my dad that, oh, when this money comes, we are going to dig a ball because that was like the best lucrative business you could do in the village then. We'll dig a ball and start selling this water. Like in our mind, we've planned the project, even a spot where we'll have that ball and we're praying that, oh, this gratuity will come. So six years down the line, then there was now a time they were not telling them to file documents like the pension is going to cause then they've already changed that governor again so we are all praying and when he started going for those fine like everyone would literally pray every day like that gratuity must come because that was just the only way out from the current hardship so between those times, my dad didn't mention to us that the money was paid. We were surprised one day in the evening, he came with a brown envelope and dropped it on the table like after our evening meals. Everyone was looking, what was this? And then my elder sister opened it then because at least she was in the university already then and it was passport. Like, what was this for? My dad said he's going to arch. Everyone was surprised. Where did you get money for? I decided they paid their gratuity um, some weeks ago. And he wants to go to, uh, he wants to become an allergy before he dies. Like, <laughs> that was, <laughs> like, we literally cried. We wept and we were like, despite everything everyone is going through. And we're just saying that, oh, this is like our last, like something that will like help the family. And... You are going to add at that time i had three sisters in the U. one was in university two were in the polytechnic i had um two elder sisters i'm the last i had two that finished um secondary school and i was still in secondary school i was i think around that time i was in ss1 and you are going to add even them paying for their school fees like it's like <laughs> like i don't even want to describe it's really difficult we had to do extra things trade farm just to try so that they don't do, um, get out of school and my dad got that money and he went to pay for arch and that was when it dawned on me that i have to like take my life into my own hands otherwise maybe secondary school would have been my highest education so from that day everyone wept and then everyone bucked up so my immediate plan i was making this contribution in school like during break time now like the money you bring to school for break will save a portion so at the end of the term i collected my thing had 300 things and then i started a business <laughs> you guys should not laugh at me so i started making coconut candies and it was really profitable like if i buy like two or three coconuts i'll make over 100 percent of 
like I'll double the amount I used to buy it. And before you know, I was not like a champion in school because <laughs> I always have money. So when I buy the coconuts, I'll take it home in the night after school, after assignments and all. My mom will assist me, will dice and fry and I'll pack it for five naira. Some ten, ten naira. So when I get to school, I'll give to, you know, there are some people that are selling in front, like retailers. You give them. So I, so initially when I started, I would sell for only my class. Then later, I, will, I now started distributing for um, other schools around around my area, and then I also sell at home. So from there, I was able to gather money. At least at that time, I was feeling like I'm a rich girl. So when I was in X, that was in XS one. So I had XS two. From the money I had gathered, I I registered. That was when I learned how to make it. So I registered for um addressing and then like that like that so i was able to get money from the coconuts and the addressing but then i come back from school in the evening i would do weaving one or two things and before you know i was gathering money for my jump so story long and short i got my jam i paid for it and then when i was going to get my jam it was also a controversy because my dad was bent on the fact that now he has gone to edge there's no longer money is coming from anywhere and it's like and the pension they are paying him is nothing like it's not even enough to like for the monthly um, expense for the family like it does not have money and i have to wait for my three sisters to graduate before i will even buy jam like that was his own stance I was just working on the luck of God that okay maybe if I buy the jam and I pass, luck will come from somewhere and I'll pay my school fees or someone will touch something will touch his heart actually to pay my school fees if I like get the admission. So my first jam came, I did well, but the school where I put in for I didn't get it because they said I was supposed to do some things like I got the cut off and everything. But you know now school politics. They said you're supposed to meet somebody to tell somebody so that your name will come out on time. And I, I, I wasn't aware of that situation. So I had to take the jump again. So the second year, it was really terrible because it was now a mist of like you striving and looking as if you are just no one is backing you up and all that but then i took it again the second year but then i was now more informed on what i should do i passed through and i got admission into school and there was one thing i had in mind when i got into school that if i should separate my certificate from myself after graduation i should be able to succeed in life and that has been my driving goal so when i got to school so i've acquired some other skills i've learned i learned how to sew in school when i was in 200 i, I learned how to sew so by 300 i was done 400 i learned makeup i learned hair styling after my um as in uh, advanced writer hair. so i did that like during my final year in school and all that so i could actually st- i could actually start that business in school so financially although it's not sufficient enough but if you have something and then you now have people to back you up like maybe major school fees books but all the other petty petty things around school i could like fund them for myself and i just think that those stages in my life that i've passed through has actually helped me to like become will i say self-sufficient in a way that i i just believe that whatever happens to me in life is a function of 
me taking responsibility so like i'm fully responsible for my successes and for my failures and sometimes i just ask them that oh the people that they give birth to today and their parents will die and they still have success stories so i just tell myself that i have no reason not to be successful that if i work hard enough and i'm diligent enough then success will come my way that has been my driving motion in life and i know i'm going places <laughs> i'm not there yet but then it's a journey i'll get there soon <laughs> that's that's such a profound story um as deep. yeah really 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 and uh, what I, I i guess uh what is really important after listening after everyone has shared after everyone just shared, shared their stories that all of them are kind of the, the main theme there, there seems to be a common theme around it there seems to be like a, a thread that runs around and which which exemplifies self-leadership self-control um being able to take responsibility being able to take responsibility of like um, circumstances not just being reactive and um i find that really interesting because that also it's that also that also is a common thread that runs around like typical nsp scholars it's 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 really really something it's something very interesting to hear about uh it resonates with me and um your story is right from right from having to go against um the brain and um the the usual culture of bully and defining your own path even when you are giving power to defy people's expectation in terms of like what you all said that is um or where you are you won't be able to get a first class where you you came to bgs and even onto onto you chatting a sustainable life for yourself regardless of what um the external circumstance um dictate for you i think i think these three three stories actually did um this is this is a typical story of someone who makes an impact and um and it's there are stories that you really learn um really important things from so like i'm really really privileged for hearing i mean for 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 being the receipt i mean receiver of all these um, stories and uh, that's really taught me some things about self-reliance and grit. thank you so much guys for coming here <laughs> uh i actually did it's just because of time I guess this is where we end so thank you so much guys um joe jessica Ustita, thank you so much for coming here and um uh this is really really profound i'm very sure people are really going to get a lot from this episode and that's just what we want to do so look forward to next episode all right yeah bye guys thank you for having us yeah have a good day Yeah, I'm just saying your own, your own yeah, she, she's the, yeah. No, you just a friend. I don't think you just a friend, but it's okay. Yes. He's ready. I'm supposed to free you before the accident. No, she knows not. I don't know how old they went to.